Well, it's time to leave this vicious political season behind and get together with the family for Thanksgiving. Crap. That's right, Thanksgiving is that time of year when we gather to inflict emotional wounds that can never be healed in people we can never avoid over issues that can't be resolved because we're related to morons. This year, Thanksgiving promises to be especially tense because those family members who voted for Hillary Clinton are going to feel particularly depressed and humiliated, especially after I get through with them. So, today, as a public service, we here at The Andrew Clavin Show would like to offer some helpful tips on how to avoid violent political arguments over Thanksgiving dinner, or if that's not possible, how to cook the bodies of your enemies so that when the police come to investigate, they ironically eat the evidence of your crimes and you get off scot-free. So, let's say your schmucky cousin Ned with the long nose hair starts ranting about how Hillary Clinton should really be president because she won the popular vote. Do not interrupt him to point out that if elections were decided by popular vote, the entire country would be governed by three cities whose moral wisdom is such that in biblical times they would have been reduced to sulfurous ash by the just punishment of an angry god. Also, try not to point out that schmucky cousin Ned can hardly have time to study politics when he devotes so much of his day to looking at bondage porn. No. This is the time to practice your listening skills. Just remain quiet while he speaks, nodding and smiling politely until he's finished, then pitch face forward onto the table and snore hilariously until your mom tells you to knock it off. Or, let's say your hideous Aunt Hideous, with the absolutely disgusting skin tag just under her right eye, starts whining that Hillary Clinton's defeat is a sign that sexism still runs rampant in America. This is not a good time to point out that Aunt Hideous's husband, Uncle Schmo, worked himself to death so that she never had to get off the sofa for five consecutive minutes after she roped him into marrying her with the old I'm pregnant trick. Also, do not remark that it's no wonder Uncle Schmo gave himself a heart attack by banging the neighbor's 20-year-old daughter, even though everyone told Aunt Hideous he was just over there to borrow a cup of detergent because, God forbid, his wife should ever do two seconds of housework. Instead, you can diffuse hostility by reminding your aunt that America has made great strides in its treatment of women, otherwise you'd beat the hell out of her like she deserves. Finally, always try to remember that those of your relatives who are Democrats are acting in good faith and doing the best they can to drive this country into poverty and slavery by continually casting their stupid vote for the worst possible person with the most destructive policies. As I always remind myself, be nice to your relatives. They won't be alive forever. Not if I can help it. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, and indeed, Thanksgiving is almost upon us, and you know what that means. That means you have to get your questions into the mailbag if you are a Daily Wire subscriber, because otherwise it's going to be a, a four-day-long, clavenless weekend, and you could find yourself in the middle of it wondering what's the meaning of life, and then realize you could have asked, and we would have told you, and the answer would have been 100% guaranteed correct. If you're not a subscriber, 
What is going on? Subscribe to The Daily Wire. Then you can watch the entire show on our website, and you can watch Ben Shapiro's show on our website, and you can hang out on our website until the police move you along, and also be part of the mailbag on both mine and Ben's show. It's what is it's free for th- If you do it for a year, it's free for 30 days, and then it's a lousy eight bucks a month. Come on. Come on. All right. The Trump buyer strikes back. You know, yesterday we talked about the insane, insane news media attacking Donald Trump. No matter what he does, it's not right. You know, it's like he he, uh, gets rid of some of his staff who aren't helping. It's his whole transition team is in chaos. And then when it turns out they're not in chaos, well, it's all a big show, no matter what they do. So yesterday, Trump basically has a meeting, an off-the-record meeting with some of the media, some of the, you know, newspapers and mostly the uh, TV guys. This is, the, this is the headline in the New York Post of a source describing what happened at this media at this meeting with the media. Donald Trump's media summit was, quote, an effing firing squad. Now, I got really excited until I realized that was just a figure of speech. Is, is, here's, the story, here's the story. I mean, the guy's president. He can shoot the media, right? Donald Trump scolded media big shots. This is from the New York Post. He scolded media big shots during an off-the-record Trump Tower sit-down on Monday, sources told The Post. It was like an effing firing squad, one source said of the encounter. Trump started, this is still in quotes, Trump started with CNN chief Jeff Zucker and said, I hate your network. Everyone at CNN is a liar and you should be ashamed. Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. The meeting was a total disaster, the source went on. The TV execs and anchors went in there thinking they would be discussing the access they would get to the Trump administration, but instead they got a Trump-style dressing down. A second source confirmed the fireworks. The meeting took place in a big boardroom, and there were about 30 or 40 people, including the big news anchors from all the networks. Trump kept saying, we're in a room of liars, the deceitful, dishonest media who got it all wrong. He addressed everyone in the room, calling the media dishonest, deceitful liars. He called out Jeff Zucker by name and said everyone at CNN was a liar and CNN was a network of liars. (laughs) Just stop me when he says something wrong, okay? Trump, Trump didn't say NBC reporter Katie tour by name, but talked about an NBC female correspondent who got it wrong. Then he referred to a horrible network correspondent who cried when Hillary lost, who hosted a debate, which was Martha Raddus, who was also in the room. And she did cry when Hillary lost. The stunned reporters tried to get a word in edgewise to discuss access to a Trump administration, but couldn't do it. So if now, now, obviously, the source for the New York Post is a very pro-Trump paper. And obviously, the sources for this come from the Trump camp. And they want this out there. They wanted you to know that Trump is doing this because this is why we elected him. This is what we elected him to do, to kick these people's butts. And it's a very, very uh, it's interesting because we want him to kick the press's butts. But we also want the press to cover him, right? We don't want it's just that the press has been so hysterical and so hysterically unfair. And then it goes on, by the way, to, to this morning, the New York Times whined. He canceled a meeting with them. Get this, this is from the New York Times, a former newspaper. This is Trump canceled today's meeting with the New York Times uh, with reporters and editors set to go. The president-elect announced via Twitter around 6 a.m. that he would not be taking questions from the New York Times, which were to be mostly on the record, unlike his meeting with television news executives on Monday. He sent out a tweet. I canceled today's meeting with the failing New York Times. (laughs) 
<laughs> when the terms and conditions of the meeting were changed at the last moment, not nice. Perhaps a new meeting will be set up with the New York Times in another tweet. In the meantime, they continue to cover me inaccurately and with a nasty tone. <laughs> Another tweet. The failing New York Times just announced that complaints about them are at a 15-year high. I can fully understand that, but why announce it, he says. So, so this now there's the New York Times commenting on this. The just-announced tweet appears to be a reference to the Times public editor, an independent ombudsman, who did indeed say a surge of letters to the editor since the election rivals the one that followed the attacks of September 11th. Online comment sections and calls to the public editor are similarly swelling. Some commenters are complaining of overly harsh treatment of Mr. Trump, but many others are angry that the Times was too sanguine about Hillary Clinton's victory prospects. Those are both the same. Those are both the same complaint, though. Those are both complaining that they're leaning to the left, right? So it's a, so that's leftists complaining about the fact that they lean to the left, and right is complaining about the fact that they lean to the left. Um, and, and the Times senior vice president for communications, Eileen M. Murphy, responded to Trump's tweet of canceling the meeting. We were unaware that the meeting was canceled until we saw the president-elect's tweet this morning. We did not change the ground rules at all and made no attempt to. They tried to yesterday, asking for only a private meeting and no on-the-record segment, segment, which we refused to agree to. In the end, we concluded with them that we would go back to the original plan of a small off-the-record session and a larger on-the-record session with reporters and columnists. So so now the line that these people are putting out, by the way, this, I mean, this stuff is hilarious because they really, this, you know, they have really misbehaved. We'll get back to that in just a minute. But now their horror is that Trump is using Twitter to do an end run around the gatekeepers of the media, the sacred gatekeepers of the media. And this is very dangerous. So here's Katie Tour, who was called out at the meeting from MSNBC. Here she is complaining about how, how bad this is. This is certainly an indication that Donald Trump is going to try and do things his own way. We know that he's already used Twitter to his advantage in that sense. They are um, trying to get out his message without the filter of the press. That way Donald Trump can say what he wants to say, uh, sometimes spin the truth in his favor. It's like we're getting a little bit of Trump TV. The right. prediction was if he lost, he was going to start his own network. He is, in a sense, starting his own line of communication, yeah, avoiding the see, media. And there and there was a question of whether Trump TV was really for if he lost or for if he won, oh, frankly. And and his ability to get out what he, what he thinks is his message. I mean, we see that with Breitbart pushing along uh, Donald Trump's uh, strategies, his platforms, uh, pushing back against his critics. They've got this Facebook TV thing that they've been doing. So this could be the start of them trying to really undercut and diminish the American free press, which is a problem. <laughs> I can't believe this. You, you may not remember this, but when Obama came to office, the fact that he used Twitter just showed how hip and cool and new he was. His, Obama's use of Twitter was just for all of us to marvel at. And this is while the New York Times was asking Obama questions like, what enchants you about being president of the United States? I mean, whenever, whenever they asked Obama a tough question, we would have to listen for three days while the press debated whether, whether a reporter had been disrespectful. Remember this? Remember Major Garrett? The last one was Major Garrett after this crazy Iran deal to give Iran nuclear, not to give Iran nuclear weapons, but it will result in Iran getting nuclear weapons. Major Garrett said, if you're making deals with Iran, why not get our hostages released? Here's Dana Bash. Remember this? 
You've been a White House reporter. I've been a White House reporter. You know what it's like to stand up and ask uh, the president a question. And you do want to be tough, but there's a fine line, especially maybe I'm old school, standing in the East Room, uh, a fine line between asking a tough question and maybe crossing that line a little bit and being disrespectful. So I think that that happened there. <laughs> Don't be disrespectful. To the I mean, these guys... The big, big lie that they are telling, the big, big lie that they are telling is that we've abandoned our objectivity because Trump is so specially bad. That's their big lie. But just, you know, go on the Daily Wire. Aaron Bandler, one of our better writers, uh, one of our best writers, has a piece about the fact that Obama tweeted, uh, going around the press, I guess, a danger to our free press, Obama tweeted that he's had a scandal-free administration. We haven't been plagued by the scandals. And and Aaron just lists the scandals that were had that the press just didn't cover. Operation Fast and Furious, remember, where they were letting guns run into Mexico so that they ended up killing our border agents. Uh, Benghazi, of course, the IRS targeting conservative organizations, a huge scandal that really has only gotten full coverage in Kimberly Strassel's book, The Intimidation Game. The DOJ seizing Associated Press phone records as well as phone and email records from Fox News reporter James Rosen. Uh, the NSA conducting mass surveillance against American citizens without a warrant, which we only found out because of uh, Edward Snowden. The Obama administration paid ransom to Iran host hostages and lied to the American people about it. That was one of their biggest lies, but one of their most obvious lies as well. Hillary's email scandal, that was going on under Obama's nose, and he was writing to her under her private server on her private server under a pseudonym, so he knew it was going on. Uh, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, poisoned the Colorado River uh, as they were, uh, the EPA breached the Gold King mine in the state and mistakenly dug at the bottom as well as didn't test for pressure, both of which were mistakes that led to three million gallons of toxic mine waste. The EPA also broke federal law in promoting a regulation. The General Service Administration scandal, the Secret Service scandal, all of these things have been happening if they covered if they had covered the Obama administration the way they've covered the first few days of the Trump transition, Obama would have been run out on a post. I mean, it would have been a constant scandal. And now, you know, I, I love this exchange. Chris Cuomo does the twi Twitter thing, too. Why is, why is he picking on Hamilton and Saturday Night Live? Why is he doing this? I love Kellyanne Conway's answer. Why take up SNL? No president does that. Why take it up? Why waste the time? Why distract? What, but why do you care? In other words, it, who's to say that he can't do that, make a comment, spend five minutes on a tweet and making a comment and still Having be the, the right to do it is absolute. Nobody's saying that. He's, but he's, as my president, as my president. Then focus on what he did this week as your president-elect, which was unbelievable. So and I'm going gets, to say unprecedented. So he doesn't take Dozens any responsibility for his own leaders. tweets. It's on me for focusing. I on. didn't say that. I didn't say he wasn't responsible. But you're, you're assigning malice or you're assigning wrongdoing to him where it doesn't exist. And I think we all should have learned a lesson from the election that that doesn't fly with the voters. And the Except viewers. this isn't about his base as an insurgent and playing on what people are angry and frustrated about. He won because he won, we won Michigan and Wisconsin and it's Pennsylvania true. for the first time but in decades. This is not like it was a blowout, right? It was, you won by 100,000 votes no, in three states and you lost a popular vote. He's now president of everybody. Right. So he said he will be. Why focus on divisions? That's all I'm saying. Not focus on divisions. This network and other people will always be focused on his divisions. How about accepting election results, Chris, and letting him form a government? 
<laughs> it's like, what business? She said, basically, said, what business is of yours if he wants to send out a tweet? It's absolutely right. And they never did this. They never did this with Obama. Hey, we've got some really uh, interesting stuff about these uh, alt writers. Uh, it's pretty sickening stuff, actually. And you'll want to hear it. So you got to come over to The Daily Wire if you're on Facebook or on YouTube. And while you're there, you could subscribe and then send your questions about the meaning of your life to our mailbag for tomorrow. So here's the thing. The, the, the image of a president tweeting about Saturday Night Live and attacking the New York Times, the failing New York Times, doing that Trump thing where he gives them names and all this stuff. On the one hand, I get it. I get it. The president is supposed to be above this. He's supposed to be elevated above this. On the other hand, they have stepped over the line, and they've done it for eight years. They have done it for eight years. They have let... Obama fail miserably without ever calling him to account. They have let him trounce the Constitution with his executive orders without ever calling him to account. They have vilified and, and made a scandal out of any conservative they can get their hands on. You know, this is part of the fight in front of Trump. This is part of the fight he's going to have to fight. He is taking on Hamilton. He is taking on SNL. He is taking on a press that is united in entertainment industry, an academic industry, a media press industry that is united in silencing conservatives, and they're trying to do it online now with their stupid fake news uh, thing. You know, we, we were declared an adult site. Did you know this? You yeah. can't, yeah, you can't get us in schools because we're an adult site. So all, our, all that naked truth running around, all that truth running around naked that, uh, you know, you, you don't want us uh, in, in schools. So here is the New York Times. A wonderful, wonderful, I, I just love them. I mean, they're just, they, they're just, I don't even have to write comedy anymore, these guys. This is, their, this is their editorial. Millions of Americans are justifiably frightened by the tide of racism, anti-Semitism, and xenophobia that has swept the country since the election of Donald Trump. Did you notice this tide? This tide of ra racism and anti-Semitism and xenophobia? I mean, did I miss this? Like, is it? Now, Donald Trump's campaign stoked these views and who named Stephen Bannon of Breitbart News his chief strategist in the White House. So Breitbart, uh, Stephen Bannon is going to be one of their demons. He's going to be the de Here's uh, Howard Dean, who's trying to get back into the lead of the DNC, discussing Bannon in that usual restrained, cautious, moderated way he has. He's a complicated guy. He appoints a reasonable a uh, person who's much more conservative than I am, but for somebody you can talk to, to his chief of staff, and then his senior advisor is a Nazi. I mean, what, you know. Okay, what, hang on. Slow down. Do well, this is, this is interesting. You're talking about Rince Priebus, who right. is the chairman of the Republican National Party, right. right? He's now his chief of staff. Right. Steve Bannon, who ran something called Breitbart News. Right, which is a far-right, anti-Semitic publication. You called him a Nazi? Well, he's anti-Semitic, he's anti-black, and he's anti-women. People like to throw around this word Nazi. It's a pretty big word. It's a big word, and I don't usually use it unless somebody's really anti-Semitic, really misogynist. You really, really believe he's that? I mean, again, look he, at you. Look at go look at Breitbart News. I you'll have, make up your own mind. What you know? Some will say, look, Donald Trump's daughter married uh, uh, Steve Kushner, who's an Orthodox Jewish guy. How, how, how do you square the circle? That's a very good question. I have no idea how he squares the circle. Yeah, how does he go around carrying out his Nazi activities with a, a Jewish son-in-law? It's running, basically helping his transition team. You know, Howard Dean never uses the word Nazi unless he sees a Republican. But but now let's but let us look at this connection to the alt right because 
Steve, Steve Bannon has at one point said that he had turned Breitbart into the vehicle for the alt-right. The alt-right, however, disavows that Bannon is part of them, is one of them. And Bannon himself has said, as we read yesterday, and we'll, I'll, I'll try to get back to it today, he has said that he believes in nationalism but not ethno-nationalism, and he feels that ethno-nationalism is going to fade away and the nationalism will remain. But he's basically looking – well, well – Never mind, but he, he feels that's going to go away. Now, so the New York Times goes on, and they're railing against Trump for tweeting against the cast of Hamilton, who insulted Mike Pence, Vice President-elect Mike Pence. Mr. Trump raged on Twitter, falsely accusing the cast of harassing Mr. Pence and demanding an apology, falsely accusing them. They berated him from the stage. They basically, in the most pompous, self-righteous manner imaginable, accused him of not being accepting of different races in America. However, so they did, so it was not a false accusation, and they do, they do owe him an apology. Mr. Trump's itchy Twitter finger, however, fell silent when 200 or so white nationalists of the alt-right movement gathered on Saturday at the Ronald Reagan Federal Building a few blocks from the White House to celebrate his election with a very coming out very public coming out party filled with racist and anti-Semitic felt. So let's look at this. Richard Spencer, who is one of the leaders of the alt-right, is speaking in Washington. And you're going to need a shower after this because this guy is the real deal. He is the, the New York Times. We've got to grant them. Give the devil its due when the New York Times is right. They're right. Here's uh, Spencer. Play the first cut. No one will honor us for losing gracefully. No one mourns the great crimes committed against us. For us, it is conquer or die. The mainstream media, or perhaps we should refer to them in the original German, Lugenpresse. <laughs> it's not just that they are leftist and cucks. It's not just that many are genuinely stupid. Indeed, one wonders if these people are people at all. Or instead, soulless golem animated by some dark power to repeat whatever talking point John Oliver stated the night before. <laughs> to be white is to be a striver, a crusader, an explorer, and a conqueror. We build, we produce, we go upward. And we recognize the central lie of American race relations. We don't exploit other groups. We... We don't gain anything from their presence. They need us and not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, here's what makes me uncomfortable about this, okay? He's using this term uh, Lugenpresse, which these clowns have brought back into vogue, which is the, what the Nazis used to attack the press. It means lying press, the lying press. And the Germans are great about this. They always just link their words together, make one long, you know, <laughs> it just goes on forever. It means everything they want it to mean. So the Lugenpresse is the lying press, and is a term that the Nazis used to attack the press. And it's very uncomfortable to me who believes we, in fact, have a lying press. We have a, a massively dishonest Democrat press. We have a Democrat Party press. That's what we have. And there's no, there's no denying this when you have guys like Zucker running TV stations. There's no denying this when you have George Stephanopoulos, uh, you know, as the chief newsman at a major network, this Clinton hack as a chief newsman at a major network. There's no denying it when Brian Williams, is that his name, the lying one? Yeah, the guy who just makes up stories is now still employed by NBC. I mean, what do you have to do to get kicked off a journalistic operation? Isn't making up stories one of those things? But, but, of course, it's, it's, 
when he goes on and you see what this guy's about with this white garbage uh, stuff. You know, I love the, the white people. We strive upward. We do this. And Let, let's hear a little bit more of this because it really is. Uh, it, it, it's genuinely sickening and worth listening to. Within the very blood in our veins as children of the sun lies the potential for greatness. That is the great struggle we are called to. We are not meant to live in shame and weakness and disgrace. We were not meant to beg for moral validation from some of the most despicable creatures to ever populate the planet. We were meant to overcome, overcome all of it, because that is natural and normal for us. The press has clearly decided to double down and wage war against the legitimacy of Trump and the continued existence of white America. But they are really opening up the door for us. America was, until this past generation, a white country designed for ourselves and our posterity. It is our creation. It is our inheritance and it belongs to us. You know, th there's so much uh, untruth in there, but there's this little kernel of truth. So, first of all, don't make any mistake about this. This guy is selling you his misery. He is selling you his, he's miserable, and he wants you to be miserable too. He's like the guy, the drug guy who, take, who takes drugs and wants you to try the drugs. He's like the guy who cheats on his wife and tells you how great it is, and oh, if you'd only, you know, if you only learned about the wonders of adultery, you'd be so much happier. Why restrain yourself? This is the same guy, you know, your life, you know, I've said this a million times, but it just remains true. All the joy in your life, look at, look at your life, study your life, all the joy in your life comes from the love you have and the, th and the worthiness of the things you love. A guy walking around with this in his heart, with this stupid, you know, he's so proud of his skin. Oh, he's so proud. You know, what could be, what, what could you be more proud of than being pink? You know, I mean, it's like this, <laughs> this is what, this guy wakes up, I'm pink, this is good. You know, and he, I guarantee you, I will sign the guarantee that this is a guy with misery in his heart and he wants to sell it to you. And he's telling you that if you'll just play to your anger, you'll just play to your hatred, then all, everything's going to be great. But in the middle of this, he says, he says this press has doubled down on their attacks on Trump and they think they're going to attack Trump, but really they've opened the door for us. And that's right. This guy is a product of political correctness. These guys live, they thrive on censorship. They thrive on, the, on racism against white people, the idea that being white is somehow toxic, that being white somehow gives you a privilege. They thrive on those lies, okay? They're a reaction to those lies. And by the way, just, just so we know, the New York Times said that Trump's Twitter finger fell silent or whatever when, when these guys met. That is not entirely true. A Trump spokesman uh, did send out a tweet saying, President-elect Trump has continued to denounce racism of any kind, and he got elected because he will be a leader for every American. To think otherwise is a complete misrepresentation of the movement that united Amer Americans from all backgrounds. One thing I do want to add, though, Steve Bannon, who I just feel he's just becoming this pinata for the press and this kind of target, I do think he's mistaken about this. He says, this is from the Kimberly Strassel interview in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. He says, I'm an economic nationalist, I'm an America first guy, and I have admired nationalist movements throughout the world, have said repeatedly strong nations make great neighbors. I've also said repeatedly that the ethno-nationalist movement prominent in Europe will change over time. I've never been a supporter of ethno-nationalism. 
I don't think he, this is an act of malice is saying this. I think he is incorrect. I think this is a fundamental misunderstanding of the way the world works. You know, when Obama said he, that he wasn't as worried about terrorism as other people because more people died by slipping on the bath, I said this is a category error. The difference between slipping on the bath and terrorism is the difference between a mole and a cancer. Okay, one a number of people are going to slip on the bath every year and, and kill themselves. That's one thing. But terror is evil, and if you don't stop evil, it grows. Ethno-nationalism is, is an evil, and it's not going away by itself, because for, for the racists, that's the whole point of the nationalism. You know, it may be for Bannon. I think for Bannon, the point of the nationalism is let's have competition between strong nations. I get all that. That makes perfect sense. I understand we, we can't uh, let our borders disappear. We can't let our businesses run away. I get all of that. But the ethno, for, for the racist like this clown, that clown we just listened to speaking, Spencer, that's the whole point. The whole point, the blood in our veins is all roaring and we conquer or die. You know, what crap? I mean, come on. Come on, conquer or die. It's an election. It's an election. A businessman won an election over a you know criminal Democrat. You know, so what? Conquer or die. And they're out there going, hail, hail the victory of Donald Trump. I mean, please, please, please. Let's just take a look. Let's pause here to take a look at the video, the real news, okay? Because all of this stuff is just people fighting. And I, I think this... I think this um, alt-right stuff is being emphasized by the press as a way, being made more important by the press as a way of attacking Trump. I think it's just a, you know, that's a meeting of 200 people, which is not that many people. Still, it's worth keeping an eye on, because that kind of hate is, is a cancer, and it does fester, and it is disgusting. But Trump released a video with his plans. Play the second. Here he's telling what he's going to do in the first 100 days. And let, let's play the second video. This is his list. I've asked my transition team to develop a list of executive actions we can take on day one to restore our laws and bring back our jobs. It's about time. Not yet. These include the following. On trade, I am going to issue our notification of intent to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a potential disaster for our country. Okay, so that one, that one, up for grabs. I'm not quite sure whether this is good or not. What he wants to emphasize is he wants to emphasize uh, bilateral, you know, trades between a country. He feels he'll have more leverage instead of this kind of broad TPP thing where he's got all these different countries involved in the trade deal. You know, this America first thing is going to be good if it means cutting corporate taxes so that corporations don't leave so that they can bring their money back, cutting taxes so that people can bring all the wealth. They've, there's a lot of savings that people have been standing on the sidelines, a lot of cash on the sidelines because they didn't trust the Obama administration not to take it away from them if they used it. So if it means that, great. If it means high tariffs on foreign goods, dumb. You know, it's the same thing. It's the same. Capitalism is the same in the world as it is in the nation. Free competition is the way to go. We should, if, if we're being beaten by the Japanese or by the Chinese, we should get better. We should do better. That's all there is to it. And it, it doesn't help to have the business sit on things. It never has. But we, but he hasn't done anything yet. So all he's talking about is this. Do the next one. Instead, we will negotiate fair bilateral trade deals that bring jobs and industry back onto American shores. On energy, I will cancel job-killing restrictions on the production of American energy, including shale energy and clean coal, creating many millions of high-paying jobs. That's what we want. That's what we've been waiting for. There. 
great deal. The EPA is out of control. There's stuff about stopping every form of energy. You know, one day, as I have said repeatedly, and this will happen, one day some 17-year-old kid in his garage is going to invent a battery that can store wind energy, store sun energy. This problem will go away. But for now, you cannot power anything with, with a fan, and you can't power much with the sun. We need this stuff. It causes, it creates jobs. It creates wealth. It is the it is the motor, the fuel of democracy and of greatness. He's absolutely right. Obviously, we want to take care of our, our environment. We just don't want to get hysterical about it. This is a good thing. Try the next one. On regulation, I will formulate a rule which says that for every one new regulation, two old regulations must be eliminated. So important. This is my favorite. The only thing I the only thing I would say is make it ten regulations, <laughs> make it a hundred regulations. Because if you ever see that book of regulations, two is not enough. I mean, you're going to have to cut. But but obviously, you know, Obama just broke a record for regulations in a day with like over five hundred regulations. This stuff strangles business, and what it means what it means is that you're always breaking the law. You build your business and you're always breaking the law. And what that means is you have to pay bribes to the inspectors who come around because they can always find a way to shut you down. It is just a way of uh, creating a black market, creating a government power over you. If, you if, the if they can regulate where your windows should be, how high off the ground, they can always nail you for something. It is bad, bad stuff. And Obama has done it to the nth degree. So he's right about this. Try another on national security, I will ask the Department of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to develop a comprehensive plan to protect America's vital infrastructure from cyber attacks and all other form of attacks. On immigration, yeah, keep going. I will direct the Department of Labor to investigate all abuses of visa programs that undercut the American worker. On ethics reform, as part of our plan to drain the swamp, we will impose a five-year ban on executive officials becoming lobbyists after they leave the administration and a lifetime ban on executive officials lobbying on behalf of a foreign government. Now, all good stuff, you know, I think all interesting stuff. Um, I didn't notice the wall. What happened to the wall? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm gonna, I am gonna give it to Ann Coulter, but good if he doesn't build this wall because I just, I've never quite, never quite believed in the wall. So in real life, in real life. Trump is planning some good stuff. I'm a little worried about this America first economy thing. It depends on how you do it. I mean, I do think we should pay attention to our country. I do think we have a right to fight for our country and our jobs and all this stuff. But I don't think tariffs are going to work. I don't think, um, you know, I don't think punishing businesses for doing what's best for them is going to work. I think free choice and free trade is always the way to go. But we will see. We'll give them a chance. And I think a lot of those things he's talking about are great. Stuff I like. A little patriotic stuff I like. I have to talk about Glory, one of the great war movies of all time. Just a terrific, terrific war movie. I think I've told this story before, but I was working for Sally Field. I was writing a script for Sally Field when this came out. And doing due diligence, her movie came out about a hairdresser. What was that called? Steel Magnolias. About hairdressing. It's just a bunch of women. So doing due diligence, I went to see this movie. And as you can imagine, for a male, for anyone with any kind of male relationship to being a male, watching this movie was like having a screwdriver digging into your eye, you know. So I ended up, they were playing Glory. It was a multiplex. And they were playing Glory in the next theater. And I wound up with my ear pressed to the wall so I could tell Sally that I'd seen her film, but I could also listen to Glory. And then I went and saw Glory. It's a great film about one of the first uh, military union, 
units of the Union Army during the Civil War to be made up entirely of African-American men, uh, black guys. You know, there's a wonderful, beautiful uh, uh, plaque to it in Boston, right in the main square of Boston, just a terrific plaque. Here is a an excellent... Denzel Washington won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for this gets in a fight and Morgan Freeman steps in because Denzel Washington is a bitter ex-slave who just can't let go of his bitterness and Morgan Freeman steps in with a message you just don't hear too much from the left these days. You want to fight me, don't you? Don't you? Does the whole world got to stomp in your face? You better get your hands off me. Ain't no niggas around here, you hear me? Oh, I see. So the white man give you a couple of stripes, next thing you know, you holler and order and everybody around like you the master himself. You ain't nothing but the white man's dog. Shit. What are you? So full of hate, you just want to go out and fight everybody. Because you've been whipped and chased by hounds. Well, that might not be living, but it sure as hell ain't dying. And dying is what these white boys been doing for going on three years now. Dying by the thousands. Dying for you, fool. I know, because I dug the graves. And all the time I'm digging, I'm asking myself when, when, oh Lord, is going to be our time. Well, time's coming when we're going to have to ante up. Ante up and kick in like men. Like men! You watch who you call a nigga. Then the niggas around here is you. Smart mouth, stupid ass, swamp running. You ain't careful, that's all you ever gonna be. So, you know, it's interesting to compare the voice of humanity, which is that voice, to the voice of that guy, uh, Spencer, talking, you know, these are some of the black men who built this country with the white people who built this country, with the Jews who built this country, with all the people who have built this country and will continue to build this country. Uh, That is the voice of America, and uh, it's the voice I hope we're going to be hearing if uh, the press will just give it a chance to breathe and speak. <laughs> All right, one more show. Tomorrow is a mailbag. You've got to get your questions in, or you're going to be out there in that four-day Clavenless weekend on your own. Don't let it happen. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. We'll see you again tomorrow. <laughs>